Welcome to Life Springs with Pastor Craig Swanby. Each week we bring you a message of hope, love, and encouragement inspired by the Word of God. At Life Springs, it's our goal to win people for Christ, train them in God's Word, and send them into the world to share the gospel. We hope today's message inspires you and encourages you. Well, we are asking the question here at the beginning of this year, what is Jesus saying to his church? And we're looking at the seven letters to seven churches. I've been thinking about, I was counting from last week until I leave for Israel, uh, which is after the 12th of February, if I could get all seven churches in. And, you know, I should have been here on the 1st. Because if I had started on the first, I'd have gotten all seven churches in. As it is, you might have to wait until I get back from Israel to hear about Laodicea. But, or I might double up. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet for that. But we are on the second church, the church of Smyrna. This is the known as the persecuted church. According to Open Door USA, the statistics for 2022, 360 million Christians lived in countries where persecution was significant. 360 million. Roughly 5,600 Christians were murdered for their faith. You know, it's amazing how many Christians think, oh, persecution is a thing that happened in the apostolic age or the first century church. No, it's still happening. There are still people in this world that are being killed because they believe in Jesus. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned. Another 4,000 were kidnapped. Yeah, we live in a dangerous world, and we live in a world that more and more hates Christians. My brother was mentioning either Friday night or Saturday, I don't remember when, but that, um, you know, there was a time, there was a time when we were a Christian country. And we have moved from that and modernism to postmodernism and to, it's become kind of a post-Christian country, but it's even worse than that. We are now rapidly moving into an anti-Christian country. And that means, when I say that, doesn't mean that Nobody in the country is a Christian anymore, but it means those institutions within that really run and rule our country are more and more anti-Christian. And we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism again worldwide and even in this country. Real thing and persecution has happened all throughout the history of the Christian church. This whole 200 plus year experiment called the United States of America and westernized Christianity is fading and it's going to cost us all something someday to say we're a believer in Christ it may cost us something now but we need to prepare our hearts in fact it was interesting Erwin Lutzer who is the I think pastor emeritus at Moody Bible Church uh, was saying that uh, he had was was there was a guy that came to their church that was he was a, a, a born again Muslim and he was talking about Sharia law and how it's affecting the laws in the United States and afterwards Erwin Lutzer was talking to this guy and he says how do we need to prepare believers today to to be Christians in this world that we're living in. 
And this guy had an interesting comment. He says, prepare them to be martyrs. Teach them how to be martyrs. Man, we don't like to think about that, do we? And yet, I think I've told you this before. I was uh, hearing this, I was a radio report or something about how young people in China, young Christians in China are praying that God will send them to places in China that are being persecuted, that they can be a light in those areas. Far different than what we hear in our country about the dedication and commitment to Christianity. You know, we want things quick, we want things easy, we want things simple. But we are living in a world that more and more is going to require us to make sacrifices to live in this world. So let me give you a little background about Smyrna. Romans called this city the beauty of Asia and the city of life and strength. It was located 35 miles north of Ephesus and is known today as Izmir. It was the seat of emperor worship. It has several idols or had several idols, idol statues, including the goddess of Sybil, Apollo, Aphrodite, and Zeus. There was a large colony of Jews that lived there with considerable influence upon civic authorities. These Jews eventually joined forces with Gentiles to form a mob calling for the death of Bishop Polycarp, who was discipled by John the Apostle. On February 22, 166 AD, Polycarp was burned at the stake. It was reported that when given the opportunity to renounce his faith in Christ, he said, Eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? If you ever want some really fun, uplifting reading, I encourage you to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Talk about a good time. I'm joking. The whole book is about people who have been martyred for their faith from the very first century on through the years. But what you will read about, if you ever dare to pick up such a book and read through it, is you will read about some remarkable faith that people had. I remember one, Just I'm just recalling this off the top of my head, and I don't remember who it was. But I remember one man, and I think it was in England, that was going to be burned at the stake for his faith. And before, he, as he was in jail, some other believers in jail said, you know, when you're being burned, give us a sign that, that it's worth it, you know. And um, apparently they could see him out their jail windows as he was being, and so he was there. And they lit the, the wood on fire, and he's being consumed from his legs up. And when it seemed like he was completely dead, he raised his hands to the Lord. And it was a sign to them that it was worth it. Wow. Wow. The name Smyrna is based on the word myrrh, which is, uh, it gives off a sweet smell after it has been crushed. In John 19, 38 through 40, we read how myrrh was used to embalm Jesus. In the letter to Ephesus, the church was reminded to return to its first love. We talked about that last week. In the letter to Smyrna, they will be reminded to endure persecution. In verse 8, Christ gives his title 
Remember, we talked about this last week. There's a form and a function to how, to each letter and how he addressed the churches. In verse 8, he says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. The first thing Jesus reminds Smyrna of is that he is the eternal God, the first and the last. Isaiah 44, 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Revelation 1, 8, Jesus Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give to him that is thirsty of the fountain of the water of life freely. Verse 9, Christ tells them what he knows. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So Jesus, we shouldn't need to be reminded of this, but Jesus is always in the midst of his church. Do you know that the Lord is here today? Do you know that the Holy Spirit is moving among you? Most pastors, after they've been pastors for a while or preachers for a while, they understand that not everything that they utter out of their mouth is for everybody in the room. But there is something that's going to be said and spoken today that the Holy Spirit is going to cling on to and plant in your heart and said, this is for you. He's going to say that if you're open to hear that. And the Holy Spirit is moving. He's moving in you and through you. Right now, the Holy Spirit may be inspiring some of you of someone you need to pray for after service, someone you need to give a word of encouragement to after service. We are going to open up more and more of this church to time of body ministry, where I'm going to give you opportunity to share up, stand, share up, stand up, share a testimony. What's God doing in your life? Maybe a prophetic word. A prayer, something. It's called body ministry. It's where, you know, that's how the first church did it. They all came with something to offer. And, you know, westernized culture has turned it into a spectator sport. We come to sit and listen. Oh, let's do more than that. Yeah, let's come to sit and listen, but let's listen not just to what the preacher says, but let's listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do, how we are to interact in the body. Amen? Jesus in the, is in the midst of his church. He knows what's going on in this church, in Life Springs Fellowship. You know, he knew that we had this meeting Friday and Saturday. He knew about it. He was here. He knew Smyrna's work. He knew their tribulation. He knew their poverty. But listen to what Matthew 5, 10 through 12 says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Is someone saying evil things about you because you're a Christian? Or have you been very good at being a secret service Christian? 007 Christian. 
Nobody knows I'm a Christian. That way I don't get persecuted. You know, Jesus said, blessed are you because he's talking to disciples who are open about their faith, who are open about their testimony, about who they are. You've heard me say this before, but the Lord revealed to me back in Olympia days when I was working in a secular job and everybody was coming in on Monday telling about all the parties and people they were sleeping with and things they were doing, you know, on the weekend. And, and I just felt like I just had never had anything to share because that wasn't my life. And the Lord just reminded me, you be as real about who you are as they are being about who they are. They thought everybody's open and accepting to what we're going to share with you. And so I just started saying, man, I had a great time in church, man. The Holy Spirit really moved and this and that. Or, man, I prayed for somebody on the street and they got saved. I mean, I would just tell, tell my testimony and you ought to see their eyes and their mouth drop. But, hey, I was just being me. That was my life. That was my experience. And that's the kind of Christian I think God wants us to be. Just be real about who you are. You know, you'll blow people's minds when you're just real. You're a normal person, but you're also a Christian. I love what my brother said, and you've heard me say this too. The world has no idea what goes on inside these four walls. They have no idea. So the scariest thing an unbeliever can do is go inside a church. You know why? Because they have been already pre-programmed through movies, television, media, you know, whatever, that what we do in these four walls is we handle snakes, we drink poison, or... We just sing hymns, and someone in a collar stands up there and gives a very boring message. Oh, yeah. You know, we might be rolling and crawling in the aisles, jumping over chairs. I mean, you never know. And that's scary. Are people blaspheming the name of Jesus because of you? We need to remember that Jesus sees, Jesus knows, and Jesus cares. You know, if you're out there and you're being real about your faith and people are coming against you, don't feel like you're standing alone. You're never standing alone. There may not be other Christians around you right there, but Jesus is in you. Remember, I wish I could remember the, I think it's Psalm 139 or somewhere in there, but it, it really kind of talks about this. You know when, when you are a believer, you know that God is above you. You know that even if you make your bed in hell, God is there. God is beneath you. You know that God is beside you. God is your rear guard. God goes before you. And God is in you. You're not alone. And remember, if they're persecuting you because of your Christian faith, it's not you, it's Jesus in you that they're persecuting. Most of the time, they don't even know you and me. They don't even know who we are. Interesting how Smyrna thought they were poor. But Jesus says, you are rich. You think you're poor, but you're rich. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our true wealth is determined 
by what we place our desire and our longing on. Material wealth here, way too many people do. In fact, way too many people who call themselves Christians place their, their desire, place their trust in their bank accounts, in their jobs where they make lots of money, or in their material possessions. And Christ is telling us, he's not saying there's anything wrong with material possessions, but he's saying don't put your trust in them. Don't put your desire on them. You do know that material things rust and get destroyed. I was a bit disturbed the other day. So here, a couple weeks ago, or, or longer now, I was backing up into my driveway, which I don't typically do anyways, but I had forgotten that my tailgate was down, and I ran into my fence, and my fence, all, my fence has a post that holds up our back porch thing, and I mean the whole thing almost collapsed. And I was like, ah, ah. Well, I didn't notice until just a few days ago that it put quite a dent in my tailgate, my lovely, precious tailgate that had no flaws in it. Not only does it have chipped paint, it's already rusting. And you know, I have learned to appreciate things like that because it reminds me not to put my desire on my lovely truck because even my truck will rust and corrupt and, and get dents in it, especially if I'm driving it. <laughs> so, you know, I... I I try to turn everything I own over to the Lord. I'm a steward of what He has, and I try to take good care of it. But oftentimes when I see a dent or something that I've done, I just go, Lord, I didn't realize you needed a dent in your tailgate, but apparently you did, so it's yours to take care of. <laughs> Smyrna was poor in material wealth, but they were rich in spiritual wealth. So what did Jesus mean when he says to those who are Jews and are not? Well, Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, Paul said this, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter. So these Jews who are persecuting the church were doing so as religionists, not as people of faith. Don't be surprised if someday your biggest tribulations come from those who claim to be Christians. There is a great divide happening in the church today. There's more and more of the woke church who are embracing uh, the culture around them. I was, I'll be honest with you, I was a little disappointed to read that uh, Amy Grant and Vince Gill are having a gay celebration wedding on their ranch for their her niece or something like that. And her comment was, you know, God is love. All I know is that God is love and that's enough. Well, but God also says, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. And so, you know, there's just, I'm not, I'm not overly surprised. I was disappointed. I've met Amy, and she's a lovely person. But what? Yes, yes. Me, me and, you know, her friends call her Ames. So me and Ames. No, I'm kidding. I met her once. But, 
especially in the entertainment industry, if you get to a certain level, you pretty much have to embrace what the, what the culture around there is. It's hard to make a, a real st strong stand for Christ and maintain popularity, okay, and sell albums. It's just tough. So anyway, so what was he saying? The, uh, so the Jews that were persecuting the church, and I mean, this is true today, there are Orthodox Jews, there are religion, religionist Jews today that are very Orthodox. They follow the letter of the law. They follow, you know, I mean, they do everything in the law of Moses that Moses told them to do, and then some. But what they, they are blind. The New Testament says they are blind. Paul said they are blinded. Because you're not a Jew who just do the outward things that a Jew is supposed to do. You are a Jew inwardly. The circumcision is of the heart. That's why I think one of, some of the most powerful people in the world are Messianic Jews. They get, and, and God just seems to really bless Messianic Jews. And one of my favorite, and I'll tell, I just can't highly recommend this guy enough to look him up online, look him up on YouTube. He's on Telegram. He's, he's all over the place, and he's written a bunch of books. But Amir Tsarfati is a wonderful born-again Jew who travels the world holding conferences and Bible teaching. He's a real authority on end-time prophecy. And, and, and yet, also, he's a, a captain in the, um, in, in the uh, you know, Israeli... Uh, is what, what IDF? I think it's IDF, and he's also really well connected with the Mossad. And so, listen, I I watch him and listen to him every day, because I feel like by doing that, I have a personal connection with what's really going on in the Middle East, because he knows. He knows the stuff that nobody else knows. He knows stuff that he can't even tell us. But it's fascinating what you know, what's really going on in the Middle East. But he, I mean, God has just blessed his ministry. He's written some novels based on the Mossad and in times. And they're kind of like, who is that Joel? Is it Joel Richardson his, or Joel that's written some of these books based on, based on kind of current events? He's a, he's, he's a born-again Jew too. But he's written these books that, the first one he wrote, and I wish I could remember the name of it, the first one he wrote, the Justice Department called him in and said, where are you getting your intel? Because it was so right on to things that were happening in the world. And I mean, he was just writing a fiction book, you know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's funny when you have your pulse or your, your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the world through the Word of God, and you've got that. It's amazing the insight that God can give you. So, Jews are those, these Jews that Jesus is talking about to the, in the letter to Smyrna, he says, but they are the synagogue of Satan. So, any person, organization, religion, or leader who blasphemes God's people and persecutes God's people are worshiping in the synagogue of Satan. Remember, Jesus said to the most religious people at his time, you are of your father, the devil. How, oh man, can you imagine how upset they were? I wouldn't recommend doing that, by the way. You know, we're not supposed to go out looking for trouble. We don't have to. Trouble has an amazing way of finding us, doesn't it? It was John 8, 44. You're the, your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, 
because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Wow. Now, you take what Jesus said to these religious leaders and contrast that to some of the wimpy Jesus pictures that artists draw of him today. I don't think Jesus was a wimp. In fact, I don't know. Anybody here following The Chosen? Anybody here watched it? I, I don't want to give... I don't want to give away because, you know, we're in the third season. And <laughs> I, there was, there's a scene in this season where he kind of starts revealing who he is, that he's the Messiah. And one of the uh, Pharisees says, uh, you're violating the law of Moses. And he stands up to him and says, I am the law of Moses. <laughs> Guess what they wanted to do with him? <laughs> well, that's when they tried to throw him off the cliff. Didn't work so well. Now, as I've read it in Scripture, it says that they go to throw him off the cliff and he passes through the midst of them. I've heard preachers say, well, it means he literally just dematerialized and passed through the midst of them. They couldn't find out where he was. I don't know. But the way they depicted it was pretty cool. Because he goes, they put him, they push him all the way to the cliff and he's standing there at the edge of the cliff and he's looking down and he turns around and he looks at the guys that were supposed to push him off and he said, not today. And he walks through the middle of them. I'm like, Jesus, that's so cool. <laughs> Verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, but, you, but uh, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So Christ's exhortation is this, don't fear. If we come into that place, and you know it's amazing, things can move very slowly, but sometimes they can move very rapidly. If we suddenly come into a place where we are persona non grata as Christians, and persecution, real persecution comes, don't fear. Don't fear, God is with you. You know, whatever it is that you have to go through, God's grace is sufficient at that time. You know, we think of things, that, oh gosh, what, what would happen if I got arrested? I couldn't do it. I couldn't deal with that. What happened if I was before a firing squad? I couldn't do it. I couldn't. And you're right. When you think about it, you couldn't do it. But you're not there yet. But when you are there, God's grace is sufficient. Do you think Paul was afraid when he was walking to the block where his head was going to get chopped off? I bet he was relieved, especially knowing the life he led. Oh, thank God I'm going home today. <laughs> Fear not. Do you, uh, do you look at what's going on in the world today and feel fearful? Fear not. Are you concerned that you may one day be persecuted for your faith? Fear not. Do you think about the kind of world that is being left for your children? Fear not. Suffering is a part of the Christian experience. It always has been for the majority of Christians. Persecution has always been a part of the Christian life. Screw your courage to the sticking place and face the future with confidence that whatever may come, Christ is sufficient. God's grace is enough. Now, it's interesting that Jesus said you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Remember, I said that there is a prophetic element to every one of these letters. And it's interesting when you look that um, there were 10 Roman emperors 
that persecuted the church. It started with Nero in 54 AD, Domitian in 81 AD, Trajan in 98, Hadrian 117, Septimus Severus in 193, Maximin in 235. Uh, Decius in 249, Valerian in 254, Aurelian in 270, and Diocletian in 284. And his persecution lasted 10 years. So what is the purpose of persecution and tribulation? Why is it that it seems God's people have to go through that? Well, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes, the Lord will test us, and he will use persecution and tribulation to test us. So what is Christ saying to you and I? through this letter. What is Jesus saying to his church today? Be faithful. Be faithful no matter what you go through. Hang in there. Be faithful. You know faithfulness is a rare quality anymore. You know to just hang in there, to just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. But God honors faithfulness. Don't let your faith be shaken. Don't give up. And don't give in. Press on. Move forward. Someone once said, inch by inch, everything's a cinch. I actually was saying that yesterday morning when I was here trying to break up some of this ice. Uh, Tim fell. And uh, I tried to get a bunch of the ice melted between the house and his car. But in the middle, it's like this thick, you know. And I've, I've got this bar out there, and I am just chopping and chopping. And it was literally, even though it was only about this far, it took an hour to, to chop that stuff up. And I was telling myself, inch by inch, everything's a cinch. <laughs> but my shoulders are sore today. Remember, no matter what comes, you can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So guess what? It's not just faithfulness isn't just its own reward. There is something waiting for those who are faithful. You know what it is? It's the crown of life. James 1.12 said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And in verse 11, the Lord finishes up this letter by saying, He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What? Wait, there's, there's more than one death? Yes, Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15 says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I don't think I have to warn anybody here. You don't want to go there. But there might be someone online. You don't want to go there. Thank God the word of God says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. 
And so I just want to give opportunity to whoever might be here or whoever might be listening online. Because you know what? You can know that you have eternal life. Our God is not a capricious God. He doesn't change his mind. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And once you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you can know from that point on that you are saved, that God has the power to save you and keep you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, I pray if there's anybody listening today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that you would draw them to you right now. As your word says, you are the one that draws us, that nobody is righteous. Nobody really seeks after God. You're the one seeking after us. Lord, I pray give people ears to hear and a heart that's open to receive. And Lord, that people would be surrendered now to you in Jesus' name. Lord, that they would repent of their sins that they would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and that they would be saved eternally. And if anybody is making that decision here or online, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice over you. I had the opportunity to lead a young man to Christ uh, last Tuesday at uh, Adult and Teen Challenge. I got to pray for a number of guys but one guy that says, I've never surrendered my life to Christ, and I want to do that. I, I told I kind of was giving him a lesson on what salvation was, and, and I said, you know, are you, do, you, do you want to surrender to Christ? He says, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> Man, I love it when people say that. And so, uh, you know what? That was encouraging to me. There are still people getting saved in Spokane. So keep your antennas up. Keep your eyes open. It might be somebody in your sphere of influence that needs Jesus and that's ready to receive Jesus. Are you ready to share your testimony? Are you ready to lead someone to Jesus? Because that's part of your calling. That's part of what God has called you to do as his disciple. Well, let's just close this service in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for everybody that's here today. Thank you for this glorious day that we can honor you and serve you and, and get into your word and worship. And thank you for this wonderful service that we've had. Father, I pray that you'd go with everybody here. Remind everyone, all of us, myself included, that when we leave this place, we are entering our mission field. God, make us fruitful missionaries for you. Make us fruitful ambassadors for you. And Lord, fill us with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. May we be filled with joy. May we be filled with confidence. And Lord, may we never fear any persecution that might come our way. Because your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Life Springs Ministry is made possible through the generosity of people like you. To learn more about today's message, visit us at lifespringsfellowship.com. You can also join us Sunday mornings, 1030 at 4213 West Garden Springs Road in Spokane, Washington. Also, you can find our daily devotions on Facebook. See you in church.